Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another video and podcast from Fantasy Football Scout, the home of fantasy football. My name is David and today we are going to be continuing in our series of videos and podcasts looking at the FPL fixtures because they are finally here. We now know who is playing who and when at what times this season, which really helps us start to plan for the new FPL campaign. If you haven't checked out already, we had a live stream on fixture release day at nine o'clock reacting to those matches dropping into the system and so you can uh, go back and watch that if you haven't already or listen to it depending on which platform you're accessing this on uh, with myself Chris and Tom uh, picking out some of the best and some of the worst teams uh, that we are going to be looking at for the start of the new season and we've also got a video and podcast out on the best uh, rotation pairs as well largely around budget defenders but also with a little bit of captaincy thrown in as well so make sure you check those out to give yourself the complete appraisal of everything that we've learned over the past couple of days but today we're going to talk about something a little bit more broad than specific rotations. We're going to be looking at fixture swings and what that's going to mean for our first wildcard. So there'll be points in time in the season when people with good fixtures end up with bad fixtures and people with bad fixtures and with good fixtures. And it's all about finding that sweet spot when a couple of teams shift in either direction at the same time and then we can wildcard to maximize what we get out of it. Now, how we are going to achieve that is by having a look at the Fantasy Football Scout season ticker, which is, of course, one of the best things about having a Fantasy Football Scout membership. It's a completely interactive tool that allows you to sort all the schedules by attacking difficulty, defensive difficulty, over whichever period you'd like between games 1 to 38, 1 to 6, 7 to 12, whatever period you'd like to look at. 
you can uh, you can sort it by. You can also help use it to help you pick out those rotation pairings uh, as well. And if you haven't already got a Fantasy Football Scout membership for the new season, then head to the website, uh, check out the different packages and sign up for whichever one fits best for you. And uh, yeah, you can use that to win at FPL and beat your mates. I can guarantee it. So... The season taker then, what's it looking like for the start of the season? Because we're going to have a look at the teams that start the season with the best fixtures in game weeks one to six. And then we're going to have a, also have a look at teams that have the worst fixtures in this period. We're also going to have a look at teams who have best and worst fixtures between game week seven and 12. And then we're going to drill into some of the specific teams and when those points in time that they all shift and change at the same moment and what they could mean for a wild card. So game weeks one to six, then the top four teams for fixture difficulty or well fixture ease, I should say, are Arsenal, Man City, Chelsea and Luton. And at this point in time in the season, the teams with the worst fixtures, Nottingham Forest, West Ham, Newcastle, Sheffield United and Bournemouth. Now, if we move over to game week 7 to 12, we see that the top four for difficulty uh, are Aston Villa, Spurs, Liverpool and Newcastle. All have really nice fixtures in that particular period. And the bottom four, Chelsea, Burnley, Man City and Bournemouth. And so it's worth noticing there that Newcastle went from the bottom to the top in between those two different periods. And Man City and Chelsea went from the top to the bottom. So there's clearly going to be some points in time in the season where things are going to change. And it's worth staying on top of those moments. But let's let's go into some more detail on the teams that have the best fixtures uh, so we can work out exactly who's going to be in our teams, we think, and uh, when they might leave as well. So let's start with Man City. We have to start there, of course. They have a lovely set of fixtures at the start of the season. So it's Burnley away, Newcastle at home, Sheffield United away, Fulham at home, West Ham away, Forest at home. So we're thinking probably perma-captain on Erling Haaland. We think probably a Man City triple up as well. It seems quite routine uh, when we look at those uh, matches and the the great thing about it if you're after some stats and uh, I do apologize I'm absolutely stealing this one from one of the articles that we have on fantasyfootballscout.co.uk if you haven't already checked out the articles that Neil Tom and Mark have been doing on the website make sure you go check them out because they are brilliant but yes according to uh, one of their articles it means that uh, Man City are, are the only Premier League team who avoid playing a fellow big six side in the first six game weeks uh, and that run of matches even extends beyond the first six because in game week seven they're playing Wolves as well so there is no better team for avoiding other members of the so-called big six than Man City in, in the first uh, six matches and so yeah we, we, we should be very heavily invested in Man City there will be people who will be a little bit nervous about the rotation as ever which is understandable but from what we can see from last season it does look as if we might not actually have to worry about that as much as we thought which is quite nice so um we have to consider that the Champions League isn't going to come in until after game week five. So we're going to get four game weeks of not having to worry about that European competition. The Super Cup is between game weeks one and two, but you, we will have them playing Burnley on Friday night. And then they'll be playing that in the midweek. And then they've got another game at the weekend again. So the turnaround there is not like awful. And actually, game week two, they're at home to Newcastle. And so you'd like to think they want to get off to a good start away to Burnley. They're going to want to put out a good team to also win the Super Cup. And they're also going to want to put out a good team uh, against Newcastle as well. Because Newcastle are new and improved and could be going into that game with, you know, Barella for all we know. So they could be much improved. So personally, kind of feel like we're going to see a lot of the really key players start all three of those games, really. And the reason why is just looking at last season. So 
yes, maybe there'll be some 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 minor tweaks in some of the positions he likes to rotate. Guardiola, maybe a Mares or Bernardo Silva, something like that. But in the first four matches or first four game weeks of last season, we did actually see that loads of the big players at Man City started lots of them. So actually seven of the Manchester City squad made four starts in the first four game weeks. And the only reason that Ake didn't make that number go up to eight was just simply because he had an injury. So the players who who did that, so then it was Cancelo, of course not around at the moment, but De Bruyne, Foden, Haaland, Rodri, Edison, Walker, and then Ake, if he had been fit. And you've got to say he's very much earned his place in the team now, hasn't he? Played in the Champions League final. And so there could actually be a lot of players we can rely on. Uh, for starting these games for Man City, which is which is really good uh, to know. And so, yeah, when you consider that we got four fixtures here that are against teams who came up from the Championship either last season or the season before, so Burnley, Sheffield United, Fulham, and Forest in this bit, in this run as well. And even though Newcastle could be a tough game this year, possibly tougher than before, uh, they did manage to put five goals past their defence last season, even though it was the joint best in the league. So Man City are capable of, of doing well in these games and the fact that they've got players who should be starting lots of these games because there's no Champions League involvement. I think that's, I think that's uh, you know, triple up could be, could be likely. So let's talk about Arsenal now. What do their fixtures look like? Well, Forest at home, game week one. Game week two, they're away to Palace. Game week three, they're at home to Fulham. Then they've got United at home in game week four, Everton away in game week five, Spurs at home in game week six. So they're actually top of the season ticker overall, and that's heavily because of this home game in the first match against Nottingham Forest. Nottingham Forest, famously awful away from home last season, eight points on the road last season, the worst of any team. Their XG in in just all of their away games last season was just the worst, so they... Just terrible. Just awful at home. I'm running out of superlatives to describe how bad they were away from home, Nottingham Forest. And so game week one, you know, we're going to have a lot of Arsenal players. Now, all I will say about Arsenal being top is I'm a lot more interested in their attack than I am their defence. They had some decent defensive numbers in the first half of the season, not so impressive in the second half of the season. I would like to see some improvement before I go too heavily in Arsenal defenders again. There are moments on this schedule where I'm like, oh, yes, having an Arsenal defensive asset might be nice. Forest at home naturally is one of them. Maybe Palace away game week two, maybe, but they've they've shown a lot of uh, progress offensively under Hodgson. And yeah, they'll have another manager, but you know they've they've made a lot of progress, and I think that will put some confidence in them. Fulham at home game week three, you think, oh yeah, maybe good for a clean sheet, but you know Mitrovic is just Mitrovic, isn't he? Um, Everton away game week five, maybe, but you know you look at the I th- I think I just personally look at the Palace game, the Fulham game, the United game, and the Spurs game, and think I don't want a defender. I probably want to have though two Arsenal attackers because I think all six of those games have fantastic offensive potential. Who I go for, it's very difficult to say. We'll have a look at this in more detail when we get the prices because I sort of feel like there's a possibility that Jesus could be more of a go-to option this year because the injury that he had for large portions of the campaign might mean that his price just stagnates enough around the other three midfielders who did well, Erdegaard, Martinelli and Saka, you know, amid their expected rises. Jesus might have stagnated enough to be a bit cheaper than them. But we'll see. We'll have to see, really. We'll see what happens. It's too much up in the air, in my opinion, to, to work out exactly which Arsenal attackers we're going to want. But you, but I think you're going to want them for this part of the season. So let's move on to Chelsea. Now, I've talked about Chelsea uh, a lot already, actually, uh, in a couple of videos. And I'll talk about them again here. Apologies for this picture of Kai Haver to... Uh, I'm led to believe is possibly on the verge of joining Arsenal, so it is slightly outdated, but Raheem Sterling should still be around. Their fixtures at the start of the season, they've got a Liverpool at home game at one, which isn't, you know, too good. 
but um, we do uh, have them away to West Ham game week two, uh, home to Luton uh, in game week three, home to Forest in game week four, then away to Bournemouth uh, in game week five, home to Aston Villa in game week six. Now, the key bits in all of that are clearly the game weeks three to five, Luton at home, Forest at home, and Bournemouth away. They look really, really nice, don't they? Liverpool at home, game week one, not exactly a nice fixture. West Ham away as well in game week two, not a great fixture either. But Because um, I mean, certainly we'd be surprised if we see clean sheets for Chelsea in those two games. Could possibly see them in game weeks three, four and five, which is why they're actually part of a defensive rotation that I have talked about in the defensive rotation video so or podcast. Make sure you go check that out uh, if you want more information on that. But I do think that there's attacking returns possibly on offer for Chelsea against Liverpool, especially because it's at Stamford Bridge, because you've got to say that Liverpool's defence has looked pretty poor last couple of years. And so Chelsea getting a goal or two against them seems uh, you know, not unlikely. West Ham, could they potentially uh, be a lot more easy to get goals past without Declan Rice and that Thursday-Sunday scenario with their Europa League involvement? So I'm very much looking at Chelsea for the first six game weeks. So I'm going to keep an eye on pre-season and see what's happening with the likes of Nkunku and, and, and Sterling and things like that. We should see them come down in price. So the fact that their fixtures have come in as nice as this, according to the season ticker, in the first six, they've got the third best, third best fixtures. Still very, very interested in Chelsea. If I can get someone who's priced between seven and eight million, who's an attacker, I, I'm going to be giving them a shot, to be honest, uh, based on this. So, yeah, that that's where I'm standing on Chelsea at the moment. Complete off the quartet of teams with best fixtures in the first six game weeks of the season with Luton Town fresh into the Premier League after that playoff final win. And they've got about as nice uh, an introduction to the to the top flight as you could ask for, really. So away to Brighton in game week one, a home to Burnley in game week two, away to Chelsea in game week three, a home to West Ham in game week four, away to Fulham in game week five, and at home to Wolves in game week six. It's obviously the, the, the latter portion of those six that are the more appealing because Brighton away and Chelsea away, game week one and three aren't great. Uh, but, you know, Burnley at home, West Ham at home, Wolves at home in game weeks 2, 4 and 6. Not You know, you couldn't really ask for better opposition for your first three home Premier League games. And then Fulham away game week 5, you know, we'd say is winnable really. And so, interestingly enough, also talked about them in a rotation as well. I think that that's probably where we're going to most likely see them having some success at the start of the season, swapping perhaps a defender in and out uh, for those those matches I mentioned there that are looking a lot nicer. That's what, yeah. So that that's what we think for Luton for the first six game weeks of the season. If you want more information on them as a general team, then head to the website where we will have a full breakdown of all of their defensive and attacking assets based on what they did in the championship last season. If you want a bit more information, so I'll just push you uh, there. Now let's talk about the teams that have bad fixtures at the start of the season. We've already alluded to them, but let's break it down into some more detail. And we'll start off with Newcastle, who. Uh, they're not bottom of the se- they're not bottom of the season ticket for the first six, but they are actually bottom of the season ticket for the first five. And of course, they are the headline team at this end of the season ticker because you know they they had such a fantastic uh, season just gone. They're going to be talked about a lot in the preseason by those who are looking to to get players who did well last season, which is often we do see with a lot of uh, managers when they're coming in fresh into game at one. But those fixtures are really nasty. So they've got Aston Villa at home game at one, who are much improved, you have to say, and, and did actually beat Newcastle quite comprehensively towards the end of last season. Then they've got Man City away game week two, Liverpool at home game week three, Brighton, who are also on the up as well, away game week four, Brentford at home game week five. And then it's game week six when they start to pick up. 
um, which we'll talk about in just a minute. But yeah, those first five matches are going to be not fun at all. And the thing is, it's that counts for more with Newcastle than it probably would with any other team because they did so well last year. A lot of their assets are going to have big price rises, um, none more so than, than Kieran Trippio. If it wasn't for that late season drop off, probably could have smashed the defense, the, the you know defensive record for most points scored by an FPL defender in a single campaign. He's going to, you would imagine, go up to maybe a 6.5, or almost certainly a 6.5, actually. So with the price rise with him, you know, we should we should possibly see the strikers go up to like 8 million, something like that. You know, with those prices going up, you have to expect more from them. You want them to actually perform even better next season. And with them having really nasty fixtures, they're unlikely to start doing particularly well in that, in terms of achieving that goal at the start of the campaign. Might achieve it a bit later, but just if they're going to have a difficult patch, Surely it's these first five fixtures. And therefore, in my opinion, it's just not really worth having Newcastle players in your game week one draft. But in game week six, it does get a little bit nicer. So Sheffield United away, and then they've got consecutive matches after that. So Sheffield United away, then they play Burnley, West Ham, Palace and Wolves. That looks like more of a time of the season to be invested in them. They might, to be honest, to be... And a formidable outfit by the time the season starts. So we do have to caveat with the fact that we're recording this in the middle of June. You know, there's talks of uh, Nicolo Barella coming to the club, which would be a huge signing if they can get him. Maybe they can get some other big names as well. So, you know, maybe um, game week six is when we go in. But the other consideration, I'm full of caveats today. Uh, game week, between game weeks five and six, that's when they start their Champions League commitments. And so we will start seeing Newcastle involved in a bit of a European rotation in terms of their schedule. So do bear that in mind as well when planning game week one team, but also uh, when uh, to invest in Newcastle defenders and midfielders and attackers when you uh, are starting to think about those transfers later into the season. So let's talk about Forest. I don't really think anybody's really considering them, but we do just have to name check them because they are bottom of the season ticker for the first six matches. I won't spend too much time here because, as I said, I don't think you're all that bothered anyway, but it's Arsenal away game week one, uh, Sheffield United at home game week two, Man United away game week three, Chelsea away game week four, Burnley at home game week five, and Man City away game week six. Awful. You got all three of last season's top three in that period, and Chelsea as well, who are, we would expect, going to be much better under Pochettino. And all of four of those games are all away from home, where, as we said earlier, Forest were just woeful last season on the road. So, couldn't really have asked for a worse start to the season for Forest, to be honest. And wouldn't be surprised if after six games, they've lost all four of those games, like 3 0. And. But the thing is, they might have got something out of Sheffield United at home, Burnley at home. That's actually quite nice. You know, the, their first two home games are against newly promoted teams. And so I didn't talk about them in the rotation video because I've never really been all that convinced on Forest as a source for, for uh, fantasy assets just yet. But I don't know, maybe, maybe they could be factored into a rotation if you need someone for game weeks two and five. Uh, that could be the place. Because we have to say they are much better at the city ground. So... It's worth bearing that in mind, but for the most part, yeah, it's a no from me. Now, West Ham, a lot of people are have seen the way that Bowen finished the season and thought, oh, maybe, maybe next season he's going to be back in the uh, in the fantasy talk every week because he might be a bit cheaper because he, he he didn't do as well last season as he did the season before. But the fixtures just aren't right for me at the start of the season. So Bournemouth away, game with one, that is nice. But then you've got Chelsea at home, game with two. Brighton away, game with three. Luton at home, game with four. Man City at home, game with five. Liverpool away, game week six. So it's five and six look nasty, to be honest. You know, Chelsea, game week two, bit of a London derby, not very nice either. 
the Bournemouth game, the Brighton game and the Luton game seem kind of okay, but they're all away from home. And the one big consideration, as we've already talked about, is that there will be no Declan Rice. Well, sorry, being very presumptive there, David. There is unlikely to be uh, a Declan Rice next year because it seems uh, quite likely that he's on his way out. He is, in my personal opinion, a world-class player. I think he's one of England's best uh, players right now, just in any position. He... The impact he has on West Ham, I think, is is huge. I think having him not in the team anymore is going to be a, a massive, massive disadvantage for them. Even if they sign a decent replacement, I don't think they're going to be anywhere near his level. He got the rotation with Europa League as well coming in uh, a few few weeks into the season. So, yeah, it, it's really hard to get excited about West Ham to begin with. You know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't matter that Bowen's on fire or, you know, who he's cuddling I think that's the expression it doesn't matter because the fixtures are just, uh, just not very nice at all so I think maybe the only one that you could maybe consider for this period but again it's a bit of a stretch is Fabianski because he needs to be a 4.5 million goalkeeper for you to consider him he might be one we just we don't know we'd like him to be because they haven't done that well in the most recent campaign compared to uh, previous years and so then you could maybe start him against Bournemouth Luton but yeah, he's got to be 4.5, and I'm not convinced about that defence yet either. So, yeah, West Ham also a no. Just two more teams to go through then in terms of bad fixtures. Again, there's probably not teams you were that interested in outside of Dominic Solanke, probably not that bothered about Bournemouth players. But, you know, he did well enough last season that people might might be having a look at him. And they do start home to West Ham, which some people might see as a positive fixture but yeah for the most part they very much deserve to be at the bottom end of the season ticker with Liverpool away game week two Spurs at home game week three uh, away to Brentford in game week four home to Chelsea in game week five and away to Brighton in game week six so yeah and it actually takes quite a long time for them to really have some fixtures that pick up because they are fifth bottom for the first six and then if you extend the season ticker to the first seven they actually drop to 19th best or second worst however you want to describe it so yeah, let's, uh, let's avoid Bournemouth, shall we? And finally then, from that bottom five, uh, newly promoted Sheffield United. Um, they they actually have a quite nice game week one and two. So it's Crystal Palace at home and Forest away. But after that point, you know, it, it's it, that little mini run isn't really long enough because across the course of the first six, it's then Man City at home game week three, Everton at home game week four, Spurs away game week five, and Newcastle at home game week six. So, yeah, not a nice looking... Uh, situation there but I did promise at the start of this video that it's not all doom and gloom for the teams that start off with bad fixtures and it's not all uh, plain sailing for those teams that started with nice fixtures because the the fixtures do chop and change across the course of the season the key for fantasy managers is to identify those moments when enough of those teams change direction all at once in order to justify triggering that wild card so we've got three points in time in the first 10 game weeks of the season that could be a good opportunity to wild card. And there's a couple of others after that point, but we'll focus on these ones because these are the ones that we can sort of uh, look at in more detail uh, right now. So, game week five. That's the first point in time that we've got. And as I said, I do want to point you back to the articles on fantasyfootballscout.co.uk. Um, we are sharing a lot of content between us, video and, uh, and editorial at the moment, so make sure you head back over to the website to read some of this in more detail. 
game week five. So what, why is it worth potentially planning a wild card then? Well, after the first four game weeks of the season, that's when we're going to get our first international break of the season. So therefore, that obviously precedes game week five and gives you the, an opportunity to have that two-week window to spend a bit more time planning your team. And it does help you potentially mitigate against illnesses, injuries that get picked up on the uh, teams going off to play for their national teams, which does quite often happen. And so that could be quite useful. Uh, it will uh, come in just after the transfer window has closed, so you have a decent idea of who's in the Premier League now and who's not in the Premier League. Uh, gives you the opportunity to jump on price rises as well because in the first four game weeks of the season, price changes are at their most volatile because everybody is trying to scrabble around to try and find that template and jump on bandwagons. So, you know, you, you are going to give yourself the best chance to capitalise on team value if you if you wildcard for game week five. Now, how you uh, align your wildcard obviously is going to be dependent on those fixtures so who are some teams that have a bit of a big change between the first four game weeks and then game weeks five to ten well we did t promise we would talk a bit more about Newcastle and they very much are one of those teams uh, that you could be investing in in game week five potentially if you're feeling confident enough that you know who is not going to get rotated out because of Champions League games. So between game weeks one and four, Newcastle are bottom of the season ticker, but between game weeks five and ten, they are absolutely at the very top. And their fixtures in this period are Brentford at home, Sheffield United away, Burnley at home, West Ham away, Crystal Palace at home, Wolves away. Really, really nice fixtures. By that point in time, you'll probably have a good idea of whether or not they can keep clean sheets this year. You might have a good idea which of their centre forwards is the, the most likely to start games and score goals. And so your wild card could be a good opportunity to jump on them. Now, we didn't really talk about Aston Villa in that first section because they didn't really um, push the top four for positive fixtures in the first four matches. But they rank second on the season ticker uh, for fixture difficulty or fixture ease, as I should say, uh, between game weeks five and ten. So Crystal Palace at home, Chelsea away, Brighton at home, Wolves away, West Ham at home, Luton at home. Some really good fixtures there. So that could be a good time to get involved. Now, if you aren't that uh, excited about owning Luton players in the first six, four to six game weeks, you might have seen the first four matches with Luton. And if they have impressed you enough, then it's fine. It won't be too late to invest in them because they remain in the top four for fixture ease uh, between game weeks five and ten with Fulham away, Wolves at home, Everton away, Spurs at home, Forest away and Villa away. So, you know, the ba if any bandwagons emerge on Luton, your wildcard in game week five would help you uh, jump on those. Liverpool push up a little bit higher as well. But what about the teams that are, are going in the opposite direction? Well, let's firstly talk about Brighton because we, we didn't really talk about them too much in the in the first six matches. But in the first four, Brighton do actually have some good fixtures. So they are facing Luton, Wolves and West Ham are three of their first four matches, which actually is quite nice uh, for, for Brighton. And, you know, there's not going to be any European commitments for them just yet. So you'd like to think that you should be able to identify who's the best, most consistent starters for those games. And then they just plummet to the very bottom of the season ticket at this point in time. Game week fives to ten. We've got Man United away, Bournemouth at home, Villa away, Liverpool at home, Man City away, Fulham at home. So they just go right to the bottom of the season ticket. And so this would be a good opportunity for you to offload Brighton players that you've maybe had for the first four. You know, could potentially make switches from those Brighton players to your Newcastle players who might be sort of similarly priced potentially. Um, no one probably defensively is going to be matching uh, Kieran Trippier. But, uh, you know, your midfielders at Brighton, 
could be seven or eight million possibly next season and you could uh, move away onto perhaps a Newcastle midfielder who's looking good or um, simply just change to that price point in the forward line by making a switch there. So that could be something that you do with your game week five wildcard. Uh, who else do we see a big change for? Well, Man City actually is one. Now, this is a time of the season, game week five, when, as we've said already, the European football is going to start to kick in um, a little bit more. And so ro- the chances of rotation naturally are going to go up at this particular point in the campaign. And also, so their fixtures pull them right down the season ticker. They were very much near the top for game weeks one to six, but game weeks five to ten, they are in the bottom five for the difficulty, really. So it's West Ham away, Forest at home, Wolves away. Nicest fixtures, but with Champions League, are we going to be able to predict the teams? It's hard to say. And it's game weeks eight to ten, really, really uh, sticky challenges, really. So Arsenal away, Brighton at home, Man United away. I know it's Man City. But, you know, this could probably be the point in time where we maybe go from a triple up to a double up or maybe we realise we don't really want any of their defenders because they continue with that theme of not really having too many shots to actually face, but the ones that they do face go in. You know, we might see that a little bit more. So it's just it's just worth being aware of that heavy investment from from game weeks one to four, five, six, possibly in Man City is, is maybe a good idea. But you might maybe want to temper that as we move into the season and a game week five wildcard. Could be an opportunity to do that. Then uh, who else? We've got Chelsea. They don't drop off from the top too much. They go from being in the top three to being in the uh, top six. but uh, or top Yeah, top six. And so this could be a good opportunity for you to either uh, offload your Chelsea players because in the first four matches, they've been awful. And it turned out that this geezer, David Monday, was banging on about how great they are over the summer. Was just totally wrong this whole time. Could be an opportunity to to jump off because their fixtures do get slightly harder. Uh, or the fact that they're still in the top six is two ways of looking at this. In the first four matches, maybe that bloke did have an idea of what he's talking about and they did queue quite well. And it's not still not too late to get involved with the wild cards because Bournemouth away, Villa at home, Fulham away, Burnley away, still quite nice. So there's just a, a possible point in time that you could uh, either come off Chelsea players or jump onto Chelsea players, depending on which of the parallel universes we live in, the one where I'm a genius or the one where I'm a mug. Um, we just don't know which of those it will be. I am capable of both, clearly. Uh, who else then? Arsenal as well, they drop off too. So they are top of the season ticket for game weeks one to ten. Uh, game weeks one to six, sorry, but game weeks five to ten, they're more mid-table. You know, they've got games against Spurs and Man City and Chelsea in that second run of games. So that could be when you remove one of your Arsenal attackers possibly or if you had some of their defenders you maybe um, remove one of them as well so yeah they're all the 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 fixture swings that we're going to see at game week five let's have a look at the ones that which occur around game week nine I I think I slightly prefer the idea of wildcarding here so the handy thing here is that it's also after an international break so all the advantages that you would have had by uh, wildcarding an international break game week five you would also get them in game week nine but I sort of feel like you're going to have even more advantages in terms of things like your data set. If you wildcard in game week five, you've just got four game weeks on which to base um, what you think is going to happen. But after eight game weeks, it's a little bit more time for some of the outliers to maybe settle down and we maybe get some key trends that emerge that we can be a bit more confident about and it will help you make better decisions and then therefore just increases the chances that you're going to be signing players who can sustain form over a longer period and would then reduce the length of time until you would then have to wildcard again um, because your team's all of a sudden on fire. And the transfer window will be long gone by this point. And so that actually is is a really good thing because if you're wildcarding in game week five after it's just shut, then anyone who's arrived at their club quite late, you know, sometimes teams like to do their homework right till the last minute. And 
if you're wildcarding game week five, you might be wildcarding and picking players in teams who then very quickly get threatened by that new signing in ways you didn't expect. You know, the the guy you signed might still be playing, but the new signing is just playing in a different position that pushes the guy you signed into a place where he's not doing as well, for example. It's just one such example. You know, the impact that the new players from the transfer window will have had on the teams that you're looking at, we'll know what they are and we'll have seen that in action for about four game weeks if you then wildcarding game week nine. So you just allow yourself more opportunities to be, uh, yeah, allowing the data to tell a more accurate um, story for your choices. And I think I think that's quite advantageous. Now, how would you configure your wildcard if you were going around game week nine based around the fixtures? Well, let's talk about Chelsea again. Between game weeks one and eight, they are top of the season ticker. But between game weeks 9 and 15, they are rock bottom. And so, as I've already alluded to, anything that we learn about Chelsea, we should see them find things much harder between game weeks 9 and 15. So, you know, that could be a good time to sell your Chelsea players if you were heavily invested uh, towards the beginning. Aston Villa, West Ham and Liverpool also have favourable swings as well. So, already sort of touched on uh, West Ham. That's we've already touched on Liverpool, I should say. Let's talk about West Ham. They were in the bottom five uh, in the first six. But yeah, game weeks 9 to 14, it's looking a lot nicer. By that point, we'll have more of an idea of what impact those Europa League matches are having on their team. And, you know, in terms of just turnarounds of the players that are playing Thursday and Sunday, is it affecting them? Do they look jaded? And we'll also have an idea of which players are getting rotated in and out. You know, some of them might get designated as Europa League players, some of them designated as Premier League players, for example. We'll have more of an idea then. And in that period, West Ham away to Villa, home to Everton, away to Brentford, home to Forest, away to Burnley, home to Palace. So three really nice home games there. You know, away game against Burnley is also quite nice as well. So that takes them to second best uh, for overall fixture ease between game weeks 9 and 14. So very much could be looking at this point in time being when we jump on to West Ham players. Also want to talk about Aston Villa because I haven't talked about them enough really. They weren't really troubling the uh, the top end of the season ticker in the, the early part of the campaign, but they are top of the season ticker from game weeks 9 to 14. They face West Ham at home, Luton at home, back-to-back in game weeks 9 and 10, Forest away, Fulham at home in game week 12. So between 9 and 12, they've got three home games, two of which are against teams that have been promoted in the past two seasons. And you've got Spurs away game week 13. You'd like to think they can probably score goals there, especially against a Spurs team that hopefully by then is still managed by Postacoglu, but you never know. Um, they're going to play a lot of attacking football. And so, you know, it could be good opportunities for attacking returns. And Bournemouth away game week 14 also looking really tasty as well. It's very hard to get too excited about Villa's early fixtures, but around game week nine, they do look really good. And that could be when we start investing in the likes of Ollie Watkins and the like, or maybe Uriteel Tillemans, possibly. New signing. Are there any other points in the campaign where we feel like we could wildcard? Yes, there are. There are a few. They're probably not as uh, going to be as popular as the five and nine. But let's talk about them anyway. So the first one is game week three. It is, of course, a higher risk strategy because you've only got two game weeks to go on. But, you know, we've seen people do it before and, and uh, do well off the back of it. It's, it's going to be the best time in the season for you to capitalize on team value, for example, because the the, the prices are just more and more uh, volatile the closer you come to the start of the season. So that's going to help you as well. There are a couple of fixture swings in game week three as well. So Chelsea and Spurs are the two teams really. So we already alluded to the fact that Chelsea do have nice first six and they uh, definitely um, have a really good four to six. But it's game weeks one and two where it's like, you know, they're not as quite as appealing. Game week three onwards, between game week three 
and uh, game week eight, Chelsea are top of the season ticker. And uh, it's really that Luton and Forest back-to-back at home in game weeks three and four that is quite appealing. There's a possibility that they play quite well in those first two fixtures that are more challenging. And therefore, they could be the bandwagon in game week three when they're about to face two teams that uh, are two newly promoted sides over the past two seasons in Luton and Forest and at home as well. So that, that could be a bandwagon moment. You start to maybe need to realign your team to get a load of Chelsea players. Spurs are another one as well. Their first two fixtures are not much to write home about, but game week three away to Bournemouth, game week four away to Burnley, game week five at home to Sheffield United, and then in game week six they're away to Luton. So between game weeks four, sorry, game week eight they're away to Luton. So between game week four and eight, Spurs play all of last season's newly promoted sides. And that, if Harry Kane is still there, could be a, an absolute feast. So yeah, there's there's possible swings at this point in time where a wildcard could help. Now, I will just caveat that with I would never wildcard at this time of the season because I'm not that kind of player. That doesn't mean it's a bad decision. It's just I'm here to give my opinion. I think that some changes at this point in the campaign is probably a good thing, but that's why I always roll my transfer in game week two. I can't remember the last time I didn't do that. I've maybe been a bit fortunate not to get a big injury to an important player game week one, I guess, or suspension or something. But yeah, I tried to roll my transfer for game week two because then that gives me the two free transfers to game week three. It means that I can capitalize on these fixture swings if I want to with a mini wild card. So that's a minus four for three changes, which can be very effective, or even a minus eight for four changes. It could also be potentially effective if we want to push the deployment of your wild card a little bit later on. So yeah, that's my thoughts on game week three. I suppose the only other time that we could potentially talk about uh, is the fixture swing that occurs in game week uh, 13 later in the campaign. So game week 13, it's after the uh, final international break of the calendar year and you're going into a point of the season where rotation is going to start to creep in going into December. And so it would give you the opportunity to sort of hand pick, cherry pick, the best substitutes to go on your bench because they're much more likely to be called upon as you go into the uh, rotation period of the season. And there's also a possibility that game week 19 could also be a good time to wildcard because in game week 18, we've got a blank game week. And we already know that because Man City are playing in the Club World Cup after finally winning the Champions League. So they will not play in game week 18. And it would give us the opportunity to uh, get rid of all of our Man City players for game week 18. And then if we were to wildcard in game week 19, which is the last time you can use the first one, you could then immediately bring them all back ready for the second half of the campaign. And on that particular subject, I would just like to, I guess, extol the benefits of wildcarding late on because I think, in theory, that is actually the best time to do it across the course of the campaign for the way that I like to play. Because I know that there are people out there that want to chase team value. Mark Southerns, of course, famously done very, very well after uh, over wildcarding early and building that team value to help him have more versatility throughout the season. I say what I'm about to say, not with necessarily any data to rely on, but purely anecdotal uh, evidence, I suppose, I, I can talk through here, is that there have been a lot of managers who've done very, very well in recent seasons. And I include the most recent winner, uh, Ali, or FPL Guns, as you know him on Twitter. Wildcarding in each half of the season quite late on because if the later you wildcard the more reliable the data is to pick the right players and of course the later you wildcard the longer your team can then last until the next wildcard because I like to work backwards from the end of the campaign and really focus everything on making big big gains in the chip season which of course is when you get the blanks and the doubles largely after around game week 28-30 to game week 38 and so the best way to maximize your bench boost your triple captain 
and uh, other chips you might want to play is to factor a wild card in there so that you're making sure that your bench booster's got the best players to boost, making sure that you've uh, just generally able to play 11 double game week players when those big doubles come up. And so I like to try and save that second wild card for around game week 30 to 34, somewhere in that period. Now, how can you best ensure that you can wild card in game week 34 without having damaged your team? Up until that point, well, the best way to do that is to minimize the amount of time that your first wildcard is relied upon to be the basis for your team. Because if you wildcard in game week two to five and you want to wildcard in game week 34 as well, you're asking your team to last a very, very long time, possibly 25 to 30 game weeks before you're able to make those all important changes. And personally, I just feel like your team is going to survive that middle part of the campaign much better if you wildcard in game week 13 than if you wildcard in game week 3. That's the way that I personally like to look at it. Um, and so the fixture swings around game week 9 and 13 are the two that interest me the most. Game week 5 will probably have some benefits. And, you know, we might even see people do really, really well off the back of uh, using it next season. Uh, but yeah, as I said, that's just my personal opinion on those. And a lot of it comes down to... Um, you know, personal preference and how you want to uh, administer your team for the campaign. Now, we have talked about the season ticket a lot in this video. I just want to point you guys back to the Fantasy Football Scout members area, which is, of course, where the season ticket is housed. And you do need to have a Fantasy Football Scout uh, membership in order to access it to the full. So if you don't already have one of those for the new campaign, then please head to fantasyfootballscout.co.uk, the home of fantasy football and sign up for the new campaign because it will help you win at FPL and beat your mates in their mini leagues. I have won a number of mini leagues in the re in recent years since I became a scout member and uh, all of my friends hate me now. So if you want all of your friends to hate you as much as mine hate me, then you know what to do. You've got to sign up. So yeah, head over there as well. Now don't forget to like this video uh, and subscribe to the Fantasy Football Scout YouTube channel so that we know that you like this content and we can make more of it. And don't forget to hit the bell notification as well, especially during the summer when there's no deadlines. Uh, the bell notification is going to be really important because it helps you know when there is content ready for you to access. There is loads of other stuff that we've got on all of our channels over the summer. We've been going through uh, the different scout reports, looking at new manager in the Premier League in Postacoglu one on Pochettino as well new players to the Premier League like Flecken and Nkuku players who've moved from club to club like McAllister from Brighton to Liverpool uh, for example we've got loads of other fixture content as well so you can head back and have a look at our live reaction to the fixtures as they dropped on Thursday morning where we assessed who's got the best fixtures the rotation pairings which I've mentioned lots of times in this uh, video and podcast as well go check that out because that will really help, help make the difference when you plan your game week one team now as I always say I will leave you guys to to enjoy the rest of your summer and we will see you next time.